Welcome to Political Twist, a podcast that aims to help social progressives take action against Trump. And we're looking to find humor and solace in an absurd world. It's February 25th, 2017, and I'm here with Larry Gansman. And Hello. Larry, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. Toby, how are you? Toby, I'm sorry, I was about to call you Sally again. Can you believe that? Oh, well, our friend Sally was part of the podcast, but she she has taken a small leave of absence, but she, I'm sure she'll be back at some point. And um, so, Larry, wh- uh, what's up? What what kind of happy thought do you have for us today? Oh, man, I have – I really want to talk about so many things. And as you know, there's so much stuff happening. Um, but really quick, before I get into my happy thought, just real quick, um, did you hear that um, – the federal government already put in a, a bid to solicit, actually put in a, a project to solicit bids for the border wall. No, I didn't hear that because yeah, I'm so, so that's... caught up in the, the press bands. So, <laughs> no, it's not, I didn't hear that. Oh, wow. So we've got some RFPs out, right? No, so there's, yeah, so they're soliciting bids, which means that they, they've put out, I don't know, I guess it is an RFP, I guess it's sort of like a request for proposal, but yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get as many people to bid on the project. I think it's going to be over um, closer to end of March, meaning the, the bid process, and then they're going to start selecting people or uh, companies to actually build the wall. Hey, well, you know, we got a president who knows how to run a business, so he's running the, running the government that way. Right. I and, suppose. Uh, yeah, but guess what? Mexico ain't paying for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Mexico is going to be paying for anything. Um, yeah. So, so, what's your happy thought? So yeah, so my happy thought. This is huge. I think this is like huger than huge. Uh, it's it's really it was big news beginning of the week. NASA has made an announcement about finding um, a star system. That is about 39 light years away from us. It's called Trappist-1. And the reason why it's called that is because of uh, one of the telescopes used to find the star was Trappist. It's, a, it's an acronym. Uh, so the star system has seven planets that we have de- we've identified. And it almost looks like all seven planets um, can possibly harbor life. And three out of the seven are in the Goldilocks zone, which means they're they're close enough to the star to be warmed up. I mean, far enough and then close enough, so like they're in the right distance from the star to be warm enough to have uh, liquid oceans. So this is really really exciting. Now, 39 light years away is I think roughly 250 trillion miles or something like that. So wow. with our current technology, will take us. I calculated this. So with our current rocket technology that we have, it will take humankind approximately anywhere between seven hundred to eight hundred thousand years to get there. Oh my gosh, that is so cool! But yeah, you know that's a little bit too long. I I kind of want to get into the <laughs> to the rocket ship now and 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 get to one of these new new planets right I mean, isn't that awesome so be there faster I right mean. no well you know we we, we <laughs> probably can if you were like the size of an atom then yeah maybe um because there's another project called uh, starshot that's trying to launch a little tiny spacecraft into space at like quarter quarter speed of light so at quarter the speed of light it would take you 120 years to get there 
or something okay. like that. Like that's 150. Still too, that's still too long, Larry. Still too long. So, yeah, man. I don't yeah. know. Sorry. So, listen, Sorry. I'm going to I'm going to segue from planetary life and uh-huh. you know, the be great beyond um to my happy thought is sort of more existential or philosophical or something. It's about truth. And um, this morning in my paper from the New York Times, which is probably one of my most favorite newspapers of all, um, I got an insert in the paper. It's the weekend paper. And it was called Truth. It's more important now than ever. And the Times seems to have done um, a page size, newspaper page size, uh, size broadsheet um, that must have cost a fortune. Um, and you open it up and it says, the truth is hard. The truth is hidden. The truth must be pursued. The truth is hard to hear. The truth is rarely simple. The truth is rarely obvious. The truth doesn't take sides. The truth is not red or blue. The truth is necessary. The truth can't be glossed over. The truth has no agenda. The truth is hard to accept. The truth pulls no punches. The truth is worth defending. The truth requires taking a stand. The truth is more important now than ever. Wow, that almost sounds like a like a poem. That sounds it really it it's printed to look like a poem, and it, right. I think it's printed to for people to put put these up. Um, I could see them wheat pasted around um, different cities, and especially New York. But um, I'm going <laughs> to keep I'm going to keep mine. I'm envisioning so, I'm envisioning a T-shirt that says "Truth trumps Trump." How I like about? that. <laughs> Maybe political twists should start. Um, making yeah, hashtag. Pieces. Yeah, truth. Tr- uh, it's it's too much. It's like a word salad. I can't say it too too. So too fast. so this is like a weird. Um, you know, it's February twenty fifth. Um, we've had you know we're one month into the Trump administration. It's there's crazy crazy shit going on, and you know yesterday brought um, this news about these um, uh, news outlets being um, banned from a little briefing. Or um, it was a gaggle, a ga- I think, right? Gaggle. Wasn't it a gaggle yeah. for 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 Mr. Spicy? <laughs> yeah, Sean Spicer and these yeah. daily briefings and the gaggle of people that you know, kind of shoot questions off and and um, it was amazing. The Guardian, the the New York Times, Politico, CNN, BuzzFeed, BBC, Daily Mail, etc. Um, their the, requests the, to gain entry to this thing were denied. That is now absurd. It is absurd, and my question is, and I guess we, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Like, how legal is this? Is this even legal to do this? I don't know, but I I have no idea. But you know what? I'm going to. We have a guest today that maybe can help shed some light on this, um, interpret it, and also um, he's got a very cool website called White House Briefing Press excuse me, whitehousepressbriefings.com. And um, we're going to bring in Phil Rosenstein. Um, and he's the second Phil that we've actually had as a guest. Um, so hey, Phil. How's, how's, how's it going, Toby? How are you? How are you, Larry? Hey, Hi. Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, just from listening to the first part of the podcast, I've I want to talk all about Trappist. <laughs> I think that the uh, uh, I think that the, uh, the New York advertisement you were just uh, mentioning is super interesting as well. And they're actually just quickly um, they're actually going to 
they put in an ad buy uh, to have a TV advertisement uh, during the Oscars tomorrow. Oh, uh, that's awesome. And it's going to kind of, I think it's a very simple ad, but it's basically going to read through the, the, the ad that I think that you saw in the paper. Do you think that that's unprecedented? Has the, the, the Times doesn't buy TV advertising all that often. It, it certainly really doesn't, doesn't at all, yeah. It doesn't buy national buys. It buys right. local buys in no, local markets. Well, I've seen their national ads, and I think only the only ad that I've seen for New York Times was the Sunday New York Times. That's yeah, the only you, TV ad that I've I'm seen. About, oh, you've seen a TV ad. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. to buy a TV ad, um, Phil and I, um, in full disclosure, were colleagues at Media Post Communications where he is – editor of Marketing Politics Daily, um, an email newsletter that addresses all things political. Um, He's also a columnist uh, for the Red, White, and Blog uh, column for Media Post. And that is in addition to his own endeavor, which is uh, whitehousepressbriefings.com, which Mm -hmm. is a website. And so maybe, um, Phil, how did you get started how did you get started? This website preceded your, um, you know, writing about politics daily for Media Post. Yeah, it, it definitely did. Um, so actually, just a couple years out of college, I was uh, I was a paralegal, and when I had free time during the day, um, and this also started during uh, during college itself. My roommate and I we used to watch the press briefings just for, I guess at the time, just for kicks. Um, and so during uh, when I started working a full time job, I would during lunch, I would just put on the briefings if I didn't you know, have to be working during lunch. Uh, and there was one day where um, Jay Carney was asked a question and his response was, I answered this exact same question three days ago. And so in my mind, I was like, this was kind of an interesting question. Uh, I want to go back and find where that, you know, what that question was and what the answer was. Uh, and it took me a lot longer than I thought it should to find that uh, that briefing. And so I just typed in whitehousepressbriefings.com and eventually whitehousepress.com, uh, which I like to brand it because it sounds a little, it's a little easier to say the whole thing. Um, and the website didn't exist. Uh, and so from there, this was back in 2014, I think, uh, I you know, snatched up the domain and decided that I was going to start uh, organizing and categorizing the press briefings, uh, really at the time, just, just for fun. Uh, and obviously now with uh, the way that the White House uh, and the press briefings and the press are becoming really uh, news themselves again, um, I, you know, it's obviously been a lot more interesting to, to cover this and uh, to get people interested in knowing what's coming out of the White House on a daily basis. Phil, hey, let me ask you a question then. Um, how do you aggregate all this information? Is it like transcripts that you have or is it video or w- what, uh, what format is it in? So it's transcript, and a lot of uh, the briefings themselves, a lot of the remarks that uh, President Trump make uh, are also um, filmed, and they're put onto the uh, whitehouse.gov uh, YouTube channel. And so what I have now is actually uh, with my developer, we've put together a system that automatically crawls everything from the whitehouse.gov site. Uh, that doesn't include the, vid- the, the videos themselves, but that's uh, a quick um, addition that I, that I do manually. Um, but it's actually been very helpful because before I used to do this all manually and actually just copy paste these documents into my mm-hmm. website. Now that um, they come in automatically on a, they say on a thirty every thirty minutes it it checks the whitehouse.gov site to see if there's anything new, um, and it gets categorized and put into my website automatically. So it's been pretty helpful. And with that, I can sort of 
start to editorialize. So I've been also writing a daily newsletter, uh, just kind of covering what's what's been happening at the White House uh, each day, uh, so that you know whoever wants to can stay can stay abreast of what's going on. So I, you know, I noticed I went to um, your site again. It's WhiteHousePressBriefings.com, and I noticed that what pops up is um, there's a search box, and right. basically, are you inviting anyone who goes there to type in, like, if I type in media or Ban- Steve Bannon, like, I can search anything, I can type in anything, and then something is going to come up that's, uh, how does it work? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, when it comes to something like a term like media ban, uh, it might not actually pop up that much, because those are, as far as... I can tell from what I've been reading on my site, uh, those terms just don't come up that much. Uh, they may come up in a question, but I don't know if they would come up in that uh, in that format. Uh, but when you know Steve Bannon, uh, there have been a lot of releases that have mentioned him and a lot of questions that mention him. And so, yeah, if you type in Steve Bannon, you'll basically see uh, releases that mention his name, uh, and in a lot of cases, there'll be press press briefings, and there'll be I'm I'm assuming. Uh, relatively pointed questions about his you know, his involvement, his his relationship with the president and how influential he is. So basically you're getting your it's the technology is crawling the um the White House um dot gov for every half hour for That's new right. information. And and what else what are what are your other goals or like what do you hope yeah. to do um with, with this site or you know are you planning on doing some opt-in kind of situation mm-hmm. or yeah yeah i'm still actually that sure you know obviously we're pretty um early on in the trump administration so it's going to be interesting to see when it comes to media you know if if this what we've seen on if, we, if what we saw on friday is just a one-off or if this is going to get worse um but i think one way or the other uh, a site that is not white house run that covers the white house and disseminates all their information uh, I think has you know a place in in uh, in modern journalism and modern politics. Uh, eventually, what kind of I was most interested in doing was setting up um, a kind of uh, discussion board where people could re- reference these different releases and start discussions uh, about them with you know the actual with the actual words that are coming out of the White House about these different topics. Uh, but then again, that's you know a more involved process and. Uh, I have been getting a couple comments here and there on some of these releases, but not nothing that I think is engaging enough for a conversation to really start happening. But that would be eventually a goal. And then also, you know, they have uh, the White House press briefings have these Skype seats now. And obviously, you know, it will take a while for me to get there. But that's kind of a dream I have is, you know, a couple years, maybe get on a uh, get on the screen in the in the Brady press briefing room. Yeah, that would be great. And and do you plan on uh, eventually having an opt-in uh, newsletter um, um, from yeah, this? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, that's also obviously been a thought as well. I just don't know at, at what point I want to make you know focus more on on the revenue part of this and and less on the uh, information part of it. Uh, because right, right now, I think it's really kind of. I, I want it to be a, a public service, and so I don't know exactly how I would how I would frame that. But if some, you know, if it, it gets to a point where there are uh, universities, organizations using this uh, a lot, um, it might make sense to do that. Right, and and I have a question for you. Um, I have a few questions. Like, um, what are some of the 
blogs and podcasts mm-hmm. that you follow as, as essential for your daily coverage um, when you're cu- covering for your newsletter and for your column? Yeah, I actually got into podcasting basically because of politics. Um, and I have to say that it is among, and I, and I, do, I do quote them a lot in my, uh, in my pieces, and I have to say podcasting is one of the most interesting and engaging ways to cover politics or to think about politics. Uh, so the one that really got me going at first was, the, was Slate's Political Gap Fest. Uh, that has uh, John Dickerson, who's host of Face the Nation, on there, uh, and he always, you know, I'm always the podcast itself is pretty left leaning, but he he presents this very interesting uh, and I think thought out, unbiased view of of what's going on in the White House, even during a Trump administration. Uh, it also includes on the podcast em- Emily Bassalon, who's a writer for uh, New York Times Magazine, and she's also a a legal, a legal fellow at, at Yale University, I believe. So when it comes to legal questions, she's extremely knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about that. Uh, and then the the main host, the guy who kind of uh, organizes the the discussions, is David Plotz, who I believe was the former editor in chief of Slate at some point. Uh, and there's also also from Slate, <laughs> there's a Trumpcast, uh, which is extremely interesting and basically gets get guests on every couple of days to talk about some issue uh, in the Trump administration, and they are blatantly um, anti-Trump. And I think it's, being on a podcast, I think it's easy to be anti-Trump. Uh, being anti-Trump is just being, uh, I guess, truthful to, to, to reality. Right, and, and <laughs> what, are some, what are some of your uh, must-reads? Um, yeah, I mean, interesting. I think that uh, stuff that you guys probably read. I mean, you talk about the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, The Hill. I think The Hill does pretty pretty awesome coverage um, across the board when it comes to uh, to the federal government and, and policy. Um, I another podcast, not so. This guy writes very rarely. Um, David Axelrod. I think when he talks about politics, and I don't know if if uh, Twitter can be considered a must read, but uh, David Axelrod on Twitter is. Uh, very interesting to follow. Now, uh, David Axelrod used to work um, for the Clintons, right? So he, he, I think, he, so I read his book a couple months ago, and so he was, I don't think he ever worked for the Clintons, but he did work closely with some people that worked uh, on Bill Clinton's presidential campaign. And I think he was actually, uh, like, I think he worked closely with John Podesta before that, and he knew He's John He's an advisor, yeah. yeah. So he was, so he was a senior advisor to President Barack Obama, uh, and he was actually on, President Barack Obama, or then uh, Representative, I guess State State Senator Barack Obama, when he was running for the U.S. Senate back in two thousand four. Okay, so yeah, Axelrod was more aligned with with the Obama administration right. as an ad, uh, advisor, etc. Um, so, so Phil, like, can you put a spinner interpretation, or what is your what is your sensibility about? What's been going on in these first month, um, not just with regard to the press, but you know, any of the issues, pick an issue, um, but but also the the fact that the media is just almost you know it's really hard to do its job right now. Yeah, you know, you know what do you think? I th- I think it's really hard to to wrap my head around it. Um, so I, I always come back, and there's always this argument made: is that when Obama came to office, I forget who it was, but one of his staffers uh, said on the record, basically, uh, we're we're going to treat you know the the media that opposes us as the opposition. 
So it's not necessarily that treating the media as the opposition party is necessarily a new idea or, or a new approach for the White House, um, because it does make it a little bit more difficult for uh, the White House to get done what it wants to get done. But I think when you see people like Steve Bannon uh, and Stephen Miller saying, like, the president will not be questioned or mm -hmm. media is the opposition party and repeating that on a daily basis almost, it does get um, you do start worrying a little bit about what that means for the future, considering this is also a month in. Well, Trump, you know, it, well, Trump himself said that uh, fake news is the enemy of the American people. And by fake news, he meant like the major news outlets. Right. So yeah. everyone, everyone kind of gets that connection because he keeps saying that they're fake news. And then he says they're the enemy of the American people. And that kind of talk, by the way, it's it's very reminiscent of either um, like nationalist or even like commun communist type of talk, because yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. And uh uh, Steve Bannon has has called himself a Leninist before, and I was actually talking to my dad last night about CPAC, and he's like, "Do you think that uh, the people at CPAC know that this guy calls himself a Leninist? Because if they did, or you know, like, how what what would they think about that?" Yeah, and he he also made some prognostication. He said, "I want to deconstruct the administrative state." Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But it it sounds pretty bad. it sounds pretty nefarious to me. Yeah, he's it also does. he's also proclaiming at CPAC. He was uh, I think Bannon was proclaiming that. Let's tell he, people what CPAC is. Oh yeah, the CPAC. It's the what is it? The Conservative oh, Political oh, yeah. Action Conference or something like that's, that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. So every year, conservatives come together to kind of talk about issues that matter to them, and I guess get their uh, their big shots up on stage to talk uh, to talk to the country. So, so here's the funny part. This is the first time I've ever even heard of CPAC. And mm. I think the reason is because there was not really a big hoopla around this because it, apparently this has been happening for, for a number of years now every year. And mm -hmm. also the funny thing is is that Trump has never really been invited, nor was he like really wanted to be there. Right. Um, and now all of a sudden, obviously, President Trump and President Trump and Kellyanne Conway one of his advisors said that, oh, instead of CPAC, it's going to be called the TPAC when he arrives. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. He has changed the Republican Party in an incredibly, uh, incredibly quickly and I think in an incredibly deep and significant way. Well, uh, you know, I yeah, that's true. And we've seen that. But honestly, my feeling is that that's not it's not him. It's the Republican Party itself because the Republican okay. Party itself is missing a back, backbone. They all they really care about is you know is re-election and making sure that the constituency um, is on their side mm -hmm. because they want to keep you know the positions that they keep. So mm -hmm. they need to then make that shift because this is not the Republican Party we all know. Mm -hmm. the, it, they completely change their positions on so many issues, and yeah. only because they're trying to um, you know trying to appease their constituency who supposedly voted for Trump. Right. So I think that I think you're right about that. I think that doesn't make sense that there was a, a constituency there that was maybe not represented well enough uh, by the by the representatives that we had, mm -hmm. by the legislators that we had. Um, and Trump definitely tapped into that. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's interesting is that that's not something that's just um, specific to the Republican Party as far as uh, the constituents or, you know, the American voter not feeling like they're well represented. And I think we saw that obviously with the rise of Bernie Sanders uh, mm -hmm. in the Democratic Party. And now, you know, people like uh, Keith Ellison, who's running for DNC chair and is apparently doing 
extremely well. I mean, I think that's going to be really interesting to see where the Democratic Party goes from here, too, because clearly the upheaval in the Republican Party worked to an extent. Uh, and keeping the Democrats in a uh, in a traditional vein did not. Um, so we'll see how Democrats react to that. I think that's interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And Phil, one of the um, things that we're hoping to do with Political Twist, um, and I know others um, are as well, is trying to kind of offer people um, some type of actionable thing, a tangible action or thing that they can do to resist. Um, there are certainly plenty of things going on. Um, I happen to get daily costs and mm -hmm. they're like several times a day pelting me with different, different uh, petitions to sign, phone calls to make and letters to write. Um, they are also looking for money. Uh, for certain <laughs> candidates in different states. But like today, they're suggesting that I go, there's a rally for Obamacare in, in New York. They're telling me within five miles of my zip code where to go, um, which is incredible. And they're doing this all across, I mean, Daily Cost is doing this ar around the country. They're, they've become, they've, they're one of, I think, a source of amazing real-time um, resistance actions that yeah. people can easily join. What what are some of the things that, or a thing that you're thinking about? What do you think people can do um, to really, um, you know, what's an actionable thing that they can do to uh, feel like they are um, resisting? Yeah, um, I think it's, it, you know, again, it's very tough because we're obviously not, part, you know, as American voters, we're not part of the legislative process uh, to really a big, you know, a serious extent. Um, but, you know, if you look at what's going on with town halls, like every time, I think the whole idea about calling and emailing your legislator, I think it's a very, very good idea. Uh, and they're actually, I can't, I kind of said I can't think about it now, but there are examples of, I think like maybe when it comes to like the DeVos nomination that there were uh, maybe some, you know, uh, uh, Democrats and conservative uh, in conservative states that voted against her because of the, the volume of calls that they were getting. Uh, and actually, yeah, there were two um, two Republican senators that voted against her uh, in the nomination process. And I think that was, and I, their staffers say that was because of uh, the volume of calls and emails that they were getting. Um, you know, I think it's a tough question because it really doesn't come down to just a couple calls here and there. It comes down to a, a lengthy process of uh, try to fight for what for what you you believe is right, um, and keeping uh, the powers uh, that that control the country in in check. Uh, and that's a much longer and involved process. Uh, but I yeah. think we're seeing the start of that, you know, with the town with these town halls as well. Mm -hmm. People actually getting out there and wanting to uh, have their voice heard. You do have this. I, there is this always this backdrop of anger when people talk about these town halls and stuff. Um, but I think the more they happen. Uh, maybe they'll just become bigger because of uh, the fact that people want to be more involved. Um, yeah, the town hall process. It's a great that you brought that up, and and also uh, that you know two two representatives ended up opposing the DeVos nomination. That's because they probably got millions of calls or hundreds of thousands. Yeah, of calls. Mm -hmm. so and, and you know, people we speak in numbers, and um, there's power in numbers, um, and. Uh, I don't think this is something that's going to peter out. I think people mm. are committed to, over the long haul, 
to these actions. And, and many people I know are taking actions every day. So, you know, we don't, you know, can't always, you know, fire off a letter, you know, don't have time all the time, but I think people are carving out the time to do something. So, and not just, and, and, and definitely the fundraising is way up. I mean, absolutely. So we know that, but so anyway, Phil, um, any other parting thoughts and before uh, segue? Well, I, I did want to just, uh, quickly mention, yeah, I remember you guys, uh, at the beginning of the podcast kind of, I don't know if this was even you guys, the part that you're recording yet, but talking about your, your evenings, uh, <laughs> Friday night. But I, I met someone who, um, organizes these, uh, I guess they're charity events or, um, social work events where he puts on concerts uh, and art shows and then also like makes a bunch of meals for for the homeless uh, and I just think it's a really interesting way of approaching uh, social work or you know helping helping the community not necessarily going to the legislative or the federal level but kind of just helping your local community and people locally maybe just you know feel better about themselves and feel that there are a lot of people out there who might be better off, but are, are ready to, uh, to help, uh, and, and do something, um, at a time when a lot of people probably feel ignored by the federal government. That's a really good idea and keep keeping things local and there are ways to participate in your own community. But anyway, thank you, Phil, for being our guest. And this is Phil Rosenstein. Um, he is our guest, and his website is whitehousepressbriefings.com. And yes. you can go and find it and take a look. And uh, it is uh, extremely relevant for these times. So thanks, Phil. Thanks so much, Toby and Larry. I uh, appreciate you guys, you guys having me on. Of course. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Bye. So... Hey, hey, Toby, before we go to our next segment, there's just um, I, had a, I had a very interesting thought just now. I think, and this just goes out to everyone who's listening to the podcast. So if your name is Phil, we want to talk to you. That's the, <laughs> that's the bottom line. Um, that's anyone, because we, our, second, our uh, first guest um, in episode uh, two, two yeah. was uh, Philip Ammons. Right. Phil Ammons, who's a poet. Um, and we were talking about how, um, poetry and art is a part of resisting, um, uh, and, and expression. Yeah. And just the great expression of how, you know, one's feelings and attitudes towards, you know, what's happening in the world. Um, and yeah, so, and this film was great. I mean, I think he's doing a terrific job with his website and. I think he had pretty good insights. So, yeah, if your name is Phil, we want to hear from you. Yeah, we want three, <laughs> hey, three, three for three. We need another Phil as a yeah. guest. And um, also a quick note, if you want to reach out to Political Twist, we have an email address. It's politicaltwistpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. So thanks for sharing Yeah, I've that. set that up. Yeah, I've set that up and just want to give a shout out. So if people want to reach out and say, oh, you guys suck. I hate you so much. You know, maybe we can hear from Mr. Trump. Maybe he can chime in and, I th- and see I how... Think, I think he's calling in. Oh, oh, okay. Let's do this. Yeah. Oh, number 45, yeah. Number 45, you're up. Uh, hello. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Political Twist. So good to be here again. Hi, Toby. Hi. What's what's What, what do you have to say to us today? Uh, guys, I have something really great to discuss with you today. As always, I'm going to do a nice little movie review for you. 
As you know, the 89th Oscars are coming up, and I can't wait. I'm going to be sitting there with my wife, Ivanka, I mean Melania, sorry, (laughs) with my wife Melania, you know, watching the Oscars. I love the Oscars. The best show ever. High ratings, high energy, the best. So the movie today I'm going to discuss is called Arrival. It's a great movie. came out in 2016. It's a sci-fi epic. Terrific movie. has a lot of illegal aliens in it. has a lot of scientists. Ugh, I hate scientists. But I love illegal aliens because you can kick them out. Kick them out, they say. Kick them out. Great movie. Terrific cast. Starring Amy Adams. She's amazing. Great, great character. Also starring Jeremy Renner. Total loser. Low energy. Probably has super bad ratings everywhere. I hate that guy. Anyway, check out the movie Arrival. I loved it. You love it. Believe me, you love it. I gotta go. Goodbye. Hey, oh my gosh. Wow. Was that 45? I think that was. Man. I can't believe, like, you know, he's he's a great dude, you know. I'm glad that he keeps calling in and giving us his movie reviews. You know, takes the time of his out of his busy schedule, building walls, kicking people out of the country. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that he's got time to, you know, watch some movies and, you know, provide reviews. It's good. Hey, good. he's got to have, you know, some form of entertainment other than his own um, rallies and uh, <laughs> you know, ongoing business of government that has turned into a shit show of some sort. Um, but anyway, I want to we want to leave our, our listeners with one um, thing that they can do, an actionable piece of information um, and um, mine today um, want to recommend people check out ourrevolution.com. Ourrevolution.com is a place, it's, a, it's Bernie Sanders' um, uh, morphed uh, website, and uh, they can offer guidance on how you can find an event, support an event in your local area. You enter your zip code. You can find rallies, information, ways to plug in. And in fact, today, um, there, is, there are rallies around the country um, around the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in support of the for- Affordable Care Act. And right. if you go to OurRevolution.com, put in your zip code for today, February 25th, Saturday, you'll find an action or a rally or an event to join. So that's that's um, my piece of information for today. So yeah, and like- I just wanted to add something to what Phil was was saying also, and I think we have that also in our show notes. Basically, like um, obviously the town halls and town hall meetings have been in the news lately, and they've been very very um, quite entertaining to watch. Actually, I watched a few, um, and uh, you know, putting your representative on notice and just telling them how you feel about. Not only what's happening with the ACA, which is Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, but also how you feel about anything else that, you know, that is near and dear to you. Um, If you come from an immigrant family and you're afraid and you're not sure what to do, go to these town halls. You know, speak up. Tell tell your representative how you feel. You can find out about these town halls by, excuse me, by finding out who your rep is online. And it's easy to find out, like, you know, just type into Google, like, who is my congressman? Who is my senator? All that stuff, and you'll, or even your state legislature, right? Your state legislators. Um, so, 
So that that's exactly. a really good point. I'm glad Phil brought up the town halls. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've been they've been in the news lately, and um, I think that's one of the ways to get literally in touch, like as close as possible to one of your representatives. Um, definitely, you know, still phone calls, still emails, maybe even hand, handwritten letters too, because they like that too. Um, but yeah, but town halls are great because you literally have a conversation. You can you can get to have a conversation with your representative, and I think that's important. It really is. So, Larry, um, I think that's a wrap. That uh, is a wrap. So for Larry Gansman and myself, Toby Elkin, we're Political Twist. Until next time, keep on resisting. All right. See you guys later. Bye.